Wake up, buyer payer people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the Buy Here, Pay Here morning show. Take it away, you two. Happy Friday. Friday? It's Friday. What happened happened to Thursday? (laughs) What happened to the week? Holy heck. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a, for us, so many things in the hopper, um, that the, the days just like fly by. And, um, so yeah, it is Friday. We, uh, we've, um, typically we also work on the weekends, but this weekend we're going to be helping a friend move. So right. we'll be, um, we'll be probably achy and, um, and cranky on, and Monday. Cranky on yeah. Monday, actually. Yeah. yeah. So I think that we're going to be, we're going to be, um, broadcasting actually from their house. On Monday, we got to make sure we bring all the what? equipment because we're no Friday or Monday is the day that we're doing a lot of the trailers. Yeah. Oh boy! So we're going to be broadcasting from their house. So, um, uh, yeah, on the road again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So first off, a couple of um, follow up and announcements and things. Um, we had well, good morning, uh, Bill, and um, good morning, Facebook user. Facebook as well. user number one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, we had Brett Buick on our show on Wednesday um, for the White Hat Wednesday, and he um, talked a bit about the fundraiser that he's doing. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, go back and listen to uh, the episode from Wednesday. If you're thinking about donating, if you just go on to GoFundMe and look for Brett Buick, then mm-hmm. you're going to find it. Um, yeah. We had yeah. a lot of fun during that episode. You, sh- you can watch the entire episode if you haven't seen it. You can also jump to about the 27-minute mark and hear Brett talk about that fundraiser event and, yeah. uh, and hear his passion for oh uh, my goodness. Yeah, that yeah, project. Really. Um, we also, uh, I'm, I have a, a thing happening in September, so I will not be on the show for about a week. Mm-hmm. And Brett has graciously accepted the invitation to be co-host on the 19th of September. Oh, we're going to so, have fun. Yes. So please, mm-hmm. uh, please mark that down on your calendar if you are uh, a fan and enjoy, you know, uh, they, Jim and Brett did a, um, like wisdom Wednesdays for the boardroom mm-hmm. for a while too. And right. I think you had like four or five of those too, that they work together. They, they play really nicely. And it'll be other. fun if, cause I know you'll be off the grid and if Brett's wife doesn't listen, it'll be a good opportunity for he and I to just talk about our wives and I'll tell all of our <laughs> stories well, I'll, about I'll, our spouses. I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> so it's just a delayed, Oh honey, I heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So uh, that's September 19th. Um, a couple of dates, um, other then just, you know, what's happening with the, the broadcast with mm-hmm. the morning show. Um, save the day. We talked Wednesday about October 19th. Mm-hmm. Save the day. We will be doing something in Pennsylvania. The, the Keystone State, I think is what it's Keystone called. Yeah, State. we will be in yeah. Pennsylvania. The Rhodes Warriors take uh, take the show to, uh, to Pennsylvania. So we'll be doing White Hat Wednesday in Pennsylvania on October 19th. That will be a special day. It, it will, will be a special day. And so, um, you know, not just for the broadcast, but save the date because mm-hmm. there's there there's some other stuff that you might be interested in right. um, being available to mm-hmm. to. I'm leaving it there. You had some other announcements. Um, okay. So also FIADA. So the Florida independent conference, um, that's coming up in October. It's October 2nd through 4th. And we are speaking. So, um, if you're in the Florida area, um, please, you know, uh, 
register join and join Orlando. us. And I know that anyone from anywhere can can register as well. Um, another one is the uh, Lease Here, Pay Here conference mm -hmm. is happening on September. This next month, mm -hmm. September 16th through 17th in San Diego. Um, if you're interested in learning more about that, it's at lhph.com. And then the next one is uh, Arizona Finance Conference. Mm -hmm. um, they do this annually. It's October 28th through the 30th. Jim and I are speaking twice. Yeah. And they're kind of their one. theme for that one is kind of the show me the money. Like it's heavy on capital and uh, dealers from all over the country are invited to be at that one. And uh, I think it's actually in Chandler, just outside of Phoenix. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, dealers who are, especially if you're in the process of kind of raising capital or, you know, looking for growth dollars, uh, that may be an excellent conference. We'll be speaking twice at that one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. That's mm -hmm. going to be a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. And then in November, uh, we have coming up the buyer payer super forum and, right. and, um, we'll be attending, not mm -hmm. sure yet on, uh, how, but we'll, yeah. we'll be there. Yeah. So we'll definitely be there. Yeah. So. Um, and hopefully being brought our broadcasting live. I do know like at F F I A D A and the Arizona finance conference that we will be broadcasting live. So, um, the, uh, the one in Arizona, that's a 6am too. Yeah. Kind of like what happened at Eastern. nine a.m. <laughs> yeah, nine a.m. Eastern, it's six a, it's a.m. It's a bit of a mental adjustment for Michelle. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Jim's like, honey, honey, as long as we go to bed at the same time, we would be going to bed, which is not easy. Which is not easy Vegas. to do. Yeah, especially when we were in Vegas. Um, you know, it's it's sixes, sweetie. We just wake up earlier and do the thing earlier, but it really is. It's a trip for me to. It, I I have a hard time. Like, but but. But it's yeah. six a.m. Yeah. See, and no, and just we imagine have... you're sitting on the patio <laughs> in Florida. It's nine a.m. True, yeah. true. And uh, we have a lot of people that say, uh, "How come you guys don't do video?" Well, one for one thing is that a lot of the podcast stations that pick us up um, don't do video, mm -hmm. so it's just an audio, iHeartRadio, and other mm -hmm. ones. So it's just it's just audio. Um, and the other is, um, you know, I I like to just let my morning flow and. Mm -hmm. And I may not have like gotten all gussied. For, for those of you that are tonight. listening today, you can imagine that Michelle is looking sharp and is totally gussied up this morning. Look at the picture on the always. screen. That's yeah, the way that's, I look imagine, right now. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, all right. Excellent. Um, I think that's all I've got for, uh, oh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but uh, Management Monday on Monday. Yeah. Um, We've got two more know, episodes, right? Or two more Mondays? Two more Mondays. Right. And, so we'll, um, we'll button that up and uh, have some really, uh, especially for number five, I'm kind of holding mm -hmm. some of the bigger pieces for management tips for a number five. So you'll want to join us on that final yeah. Monday of August and, and certainly this coming Monday. Yeah. But we better jump to our big subject because we got some really important stuff. We got to some talk important about stuff to talk about. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, Jim has got like, I don't know, a bazillion notes over here. Um, there were two things that we, we've seen happen recently, uh, or that have gone out there to the buy here, pay here world that are really, really impactful. One of them was a, a podcast done by the independent dealers, um, independent dealers podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was about two weeks ago and it right. was on the three ways that, um, your people are stealing from you. And then Amanda Sanchez was just published in TIADA's magazine on the same basic thing about, about theft. And so we thought we would weigh in and, um, you know, talk about, uh, a combination of both of these, these pieces and, and some of the experiences that, that we've seen and, or Jim's has seen. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, and I think maybe it's important to open this up um, to, to talk about this one. I think what always concerns me when we start going out there and talking about these, um, these things about, you know, ways that dealers are, are stolen from, then, you know, we run the risk if the manager's listening, but the dealer's not, (laughs) we run the risk of educating managers on all the ways that, you know, theft occurs in a dealership, you know? And, and so I'm always mindful of that as a former dealer. I just think, you know, we got to be careful and and I'm not saying we don't talk about it. I'm just saying, doggone it. Let's make sure the dealers hear this message, you know, not just the manager. So the dealers can take, you know, precautionary actions. And, you know, these, this is all, we can go into a lot of details about internal controls and security limits and software. And, and we know, have some, we, we do the gaping holes. Yeah. We um, and we've talked about that in a previous podcast and we may throw out, I yeah. throw out like something more formalized of here's the things that you need to, to be looking definitely for. relevant. That's, mm-hmm. that's more speaking to the software side of what happens in your business, how to kind of plug what we call the gaping holes in, in buy here, pay here. So, uh, that's just about, you know, making sure that the managers who have access to the software, you know, at least have certain limitations they Mm -hmm. can't access and and maybe, and there's ways to open those things up, uh, temporarily. So we talked about that in our gaping holes episode, I'm sure. But yeah, I think this one for me is kind of more on the, the thing about, you know, for, for Amanda's uh, blog post, for example, in TIEDA, she talked about this kind of fraud triangle. And I think Steve um, Carson's also referred to it in, in, in his broadcast. By the way, I didn't hear them say that, but I, I learned that Steve Carson's, he's got that really interesting accent. Uh-huh. And I, we learned when we met him at the event recently uh-huh. from South Africa. South Africa. So, yeah. And uh, Steve Carson's, he was on the Independent Dealers podcast. That's right, where right. Jim is talking about. Right. And um, so Steve also uh, referenced, I don't know if he listed all the same things the way Amanda did, but he also referenced the, the fraud triangle. So, um, you know, that fraud triangle is about what, you know, Amanda listed. Uh, number one would be, you know, pressure or Motivation. AKA motivation, yeah. meaning the employees got the motivation to do it. They're feeling some financial pressure, you know, from somewhere. And now they have a, a motivation to do something that they maybe didn't have before, maybe even not even at the time you hired them. And then the other one would be a perceived opportunity. They see a window. And so they, they may step through that window. If they oper- if they already feel the pressure, a financial pressure, and they see an opportunity present itself. So, you know, we know that about thieves out there that, you know, if you just take it outside our buy here, pay here business, we know that there are thieves and they're opportunistic thieves. These who just, they weren't necessarily a thief a minute ago, but uh-huh. when they saw an opportunity, <laughs> they, yep. they grabbed it. So there's that part, part of it too. And then the last part is just some sort of rationalization. Like they, they have some basis for rationalizing what they do. Um, they deserve it because they're underpaid. They are treating it just like a loan and they, which they will repay. So that's part of why I said, you know, we, we probably need to tell some expanded stories this morning. And if, if we run a little past mm-hmm. 30 minutes, then some of you may, we realize may have to jump off and, and maybe catch the rest of the story afterwards. But, um, you know, I can tell my own stories about my own travels. Mm-hmm. I have seen uh, both as a dealer owner and my dealership, by the way, was 30 minutes from my home. And so there was always that kind of remote element in my case. And then the, uh, the other piece of this is just in my travels. I have seen and I have participated in investigations and have actually, you know, had to participate in terminating and I helped build a fraud case, you know, against, mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, a, a exiting uh, partner. Uh, but first, I'll tell the story about my own 
partner. Go Can ahead. I just uh, like, I want to preface this in, in all of these cases. Um, it wasn't expected. It, it just simply wasn't expected. Mm -hmm. And so um, in all of these cases, people weren't on an active lookout for specific things to happen. Nope. It was just not expected and it happened. And it's so just, you know, keep in mind that as you listen to some of the things that, you know, uh, or read the articles, because we're going to add the links and all of that. Mm -hmm. So you can go through and consume those as well, um, is that uh, every, every dealer we talk to is like, we've talked about the gaping holes mm -hmm. and, and it's good. You know, they, their attitude is like, good, 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 good. Well, our people, I trust them implicitly and, and they still do the gaping holes, but it's like, we really trust our people. So good. Let's good keep people. it that way. Yeah. Let's keep it. Down let's keep it like that. Yeah. Let's keep it where you trust them and feel good about it. One mm -hmm. of the ways you do is you just put the appropriate safeguards in place. And so when I, you know, get involved in those kind of conversations with dealers and their team, I will just say, look, this is not about trust. This is if we trust you and we want to keep it that way. Mm -hmm. So we're creating safeguards and everybody needs to understand these are, these are preventative measures yeah. for the interest of the the dealer and the assets of the business. And so we're just taking necessary safeguards. Yeah. And this is not no one is immune from that's this right. happening to them. No yeah. one is. And so that's why I say, you know, when I travel, you've heard me talk about it, Michelle. Like I say, you know, I'll hear dealers say, you know, I trust our people. Well, trust is just not really a word that you want to use with me in the same way. Like when you've seen what I've seen, everybody mm -hmm. that, you know, I've been like the fraud case that I talked about that I helped build against mm -hmm. somebody, that guy totally trusted the person who stole uh -huh. many thousands of dollars from mm -hmm. them. So yeah, I get that you trust them, but if you don't put the necessary safeguards in place and oh, by the way, the people that we hire are smart. They're smart uh -huh. people. We, well, you want to hire them. They, you want them to be smart. Right. And and the yeah. stories that I can tell you, these folks that we hired, yeah. they weren't um, convicted felons yeah. or, you know, it's not like we hired people who were thieves when uh -huh. we hired them. We just, and, and so I've got stories of, you know, gambling problems, yeah. which Amanda's article, I think, referenced, mm -hmm. uh, you know, those kind of things can develop and suddenly yeah. you've got somebody who develops some pressure. And, and we're also, you know, when we say no one's immune, we're also not asking you to go into your dealership tomorrow and look at everyone like, are you stealing from me? Are you stealing from me? Are you stealing from no. me? Or just to do a few things that you start doing some internal um, things that are just kind of making sure that that everything is kosher. And, you know, just little checks as a dealer um, to make sure that, that things look like they're. Yeah. They're so I think, so. you know, to hear the stories, you'd, it's important to understand, like in the one case, I had a manager who was a, a partner. I mean, I brought her in, uh, kind of recruited her. This to, is when you had your dealership. My own dealership years ago. So I recruited her to, to manage the dealership. I ended up offering a piece of the company as a, as a, you know, to make her feel a part owner. And, um, and she ended up developing a, a gambling problem. Mm -hmm. And so the, um, the, the point unbeknownst is, to you, unbeknownst to me. Yeah. So, you know, it was one of those things where what, what was a clue to me is I was seeing that bank deposits, um, were getting to the bank later and later, like, you know, what should be an overnight process. We deliver Tuesdays, you know, transactions on a Wednesday, those were starting to to get later and later delivered to the bank. So, you know, of course I'm looking at the, the records from the DMS and I'm, I'm making sure that the money from Tuesday made it to the bank on Wednesday. And that was starting to kind of widen. And there was always an excuse, you know, and, and they would ultimately get there. But later 
this person also had check writing authority, which is a whole big thing to talk mm -hmm. about in, in terms of check writing and, and, you know, using rubber stamps for signatures and, and the problems that are created there. But, you know, in this case, the, the checks were going into the deposit. And so again, there's a whole long story to tell there, but I think the important thing to understand is that with the check writing authority, this person was able to write checks and, and in their case, they were uh, falsifying the purchase of inventory. We heard on those episodes today or on the, the podcast episode from the uh, independent dealer, there were different references or examples of how, you know, the checks were substituted for cash. And so that essentially was what was happening in our case. Bank deposits were uh, right. They were, they were late and they were eventually, you know, made right through some, you know, some maneuvers, you know, which um, thankfully in my case, I caught fairly early. Um, it's kind of like I heard, uh, you know, Luke Godwin in their broadcast, he talked about, you know, I had an episode or had an experience years ago and I, I can't know exactly how much, you know, theft we mm -hmm. might have experienced during that window. And, and I think, you know, there's of course the possibility I was able to prove a certain amount, but you know, you, you figure whatever you can prove, there's, there's some multiple of that that actually occurred, you know, because mm -hmm. you just, you can find what you can find. But uh, yeah, so Steve Carstens is a, kind of a, an auditor. So he's really looking at kind of the forensic side of these kind of uh, situations. Mm -hmm. And and I would bet that in most of those cases, the, the dealer principal trusted the parties involved mm. and didn't know that this was going on. So I'm going to offer another couple of ways that I think we can, we can guard against that. Certainly, you know, the kiosk that were mentioned, um, that's, that's helpful when you can start because we did hear that, you know, dealers are still, we have some dealers that never stopped accepting cash. Many mm -hmm. started to move over to ACH and auto payments and that sort of thing. And that can solve some of it. We all also heard some say that when they started charging convenience fees, that, that customers opted to pay in cash again and avoid the convenience fee. So that's a thing. But the reality is we're going to, we're going to handle some amount of cash in our business typically. And uh, although I say some, most, most of us do, there are dealers out there who just refuse, you know, they're just strictly ACH. And then there are some that that's all they do. I, I, yeah. I read something in, in social media. It's like that they said, Hey, I'm thinking about maybe doing ACH or credit card payments. And I, Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's just be clear though. Just because you don't handle any cash in your dealership doesn't mean you can't still have a theft problem. So let's just, let's say that let's make sure people understand just because there's no cash doesn't mean that your team, your somebody on your team can't figure out a way to uh, put some dollars in their own pocket. So, you know, this is, I think the thing that we want to drive home. And then one other thing that we might've mentioned in a prior episode, Michelle, but I think it's kind of in the context of gaping holes and I don't, I don't hear it talked about enough. I'm sure accountants talk about it, you know, at, at some point, but it's about reconciling receivables to cash and you should reconcile other assets as well. That's another way that I discovered my problem in my own dealership was that, you know, that thing about false inventory, we were, they were so desperate. And in that case, like I said, it was a gambling problem. So there were tremendous pressures. And, uh, and so started writing checks for inventory that wasn't real inventory, like falsifying mm -hmm. bin numbers and, and creating inventory that mm -hmm. wasn't real inventory. And you can see how as a dealership gets bigger, these things become harder to identify. You know, when you got a lot of assets out there and a lot of moving parts, then this stuff can be challenging to identify, but we got to reconcile and we got to do a physical inventory of, of our cars. Mm -hmm. We've got to walk through the cars and match up 
uh, the list periodically and make sure everything there is kosher. Uh, but I'm just saying there are other ways that that this happens. We heard references to petty cash, which has always been an area of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Petty cash using that for um, for when there was a uh, like an impound. Right. Um, and falsifying receipts from getting cars out of an impound. And that's just one example. There are plenty yeah. others where people can you yeah. know, create something. And, you know, you just said something that uh, uh, as we get bigger, that we that we um, open ourselves up to more opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't ha you don't have to be big to have this happen to you. Oh, because no. when My when Jim had that small. happened, it was it was a small dealership and it was just, um, you know, someone that uh, that uh, he had full trust and um that they were going to be taking care of the stuff yeah and i can tell you that um I, i'll always remember this day once i started to kind of discover <clears throat> some some real evidence of you know fraudulent activity i i sat with this person and i shared with them some of the, the evidence that i was starting to compile and without them acknowledging anything um i remember that they said well you know never really i've never really felt like a full-fledged partner and then, and then and so then what, what did you if, you if somebody yeah, said like, that to you what would you uh, i never really felt uh, like a full partner so i i just asked him i said or is this your way of telling me that you just took what you felt like you deserved yeah and she got flustered and and you know walked away from the conversation but i had all the you know, the yeah. indication I needed where that was coming from. She felt rationalized to, to Amanda's point on the fraud triangle. She felt rationalized in what she was doing because she knew that she, in her mind, she deserved more. Mm -hmm. And so she just took it. And um, so that's just an example of, you know, where this, and, and so it didn't start out that way, you know, it's, and this is a person who really did a, a wonderful job for a business, created a lot of sales, um, a lot of cash flow, and business was positive in spite of those things. But it's kind of like I remember a dealer I worked with many years ago who, and he owned other businesses. So mm -hmm. really this uh, idea that he formed really came from other things that he was involved in. But he said, you know, when I think about theft, he said, I, I follow the kind of the example that I've heard is like the, the uh, workers in the rice fields. You know, if they're working in the rice fields and they put a little bit of rice in their pockets, you can live with that. But when they start backing up the truck to the field, that's mm -hmm. what you have to watch for. And so I, th I think none of us really wants to see employees putting rice in their pockets even, but the reality is, you know, there will, there, you can't guard against every single thing, but mm -hmm. you can put safeguards in place, just common checks and yeah. balances. And so this is why I say the dealers out there, you know, let's, let's not kind of pretend it's not happening. Let's make sure we put the necessary safeguards in place to guard against that kind of thing. And, uh, and again, reconcile these assets, inventory, mm -hmm. receivables, when receivables, you know, in a report, you know, drop by, uh, you know, where the dollar amount is, then let's verify, you know, some of it, if it got written off, it got written off. Let's look at it and let's make sure we can identify every dollar that, uh, that moved out of the receivables as one example. And, uh, so when we start there, and, and I always just kind of made a point to publicly notify, um, folks about the measures that we were taking, mm -hmm. you know, let's let everybody know we're, we're, we're not just going in there and counting the cash drawer at night. We're also looking at all the assets of the company, you know, which is kind of without being threatening, you're basically mm -hmm. just trying to make people aware. These are the measures that we kind of take behind the scenes to, uh, uh, to, to verify this and that. So you can kind of notify people that there are safeguards. And so mm -hmm. you're just trying to, um, make sure we, 
reduce the opportunity, mm -hmm. right? Because that's one of the pieces there is it, when there's a perceived opportunity, then, um, you know, we create that window. And if we can just keep that thing closed, like people can see, oh, that's, that's not really an opportunity that will be discovered. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Uh -huh, absolutely. So I think that's what we have to do is create the safeguards to help us guard against those kind of things. So this is why we kind of wanted to add our two cents to the conversation. Really grateful, um, you know, for, you know, Luke and Jeff and their podcast series, bringing that conversation uh, with Steve Carson's is really valuable and then uh, content over there. And then Amanda's article too, obviously she's got her own um, experiences and perspective on that. And then for somebody like me, who's been just inside the trenches, typically more from a management standpoint, I understand, you know, as a former dealer and, and somebody who learned a lot of accounting through that experience in particular, we, we, I know enough to kind of know what to look for mm -hmm. inside the operations, but you know, we, we almost never get called in on any kind of theft analysis. Instead, we're there more in an operational And we're looking context. at things and going, yeah, that's a vulnerability. That's yeah. a vulnerability or, or mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Should you, you maybe might want to look at this and yeah. dive a little bit deeper in and, and, right. and something is found. Sure. And so, you know, obviously the things we're talking about are not unique to buy your payer necessarily, but one of the things we do have in buy your payers is we do often handle more cash. Uh, just the nature of the consumer that we, we finance, we do probably see more cash. Mm -hmm. And uh, so again, it's not just cash is where you're vulnerable. There can, there's money that moves in and out of your dealership. And when you hire smart people, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're sometimes can spot something and see an opportunity. And so we just have to just like I say, we can put safeguards in place and, Absolutely. and, uh, and keep the, the truck from backing up to the, the rice field, you know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, you know, and I was kind of thinking on, uh, I, I don't have, uh, as much time in and talking to dealers. Um, and I, as we were getting ready for this, I was thinking about just like, um, who do you trust mm -hmm. kind of way of approaching this and just, you know, in life that you just, you trust. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I loved, uh, I loved, I don't remember who it was, um, political figure, trust, but verify. I think it was Ronald Reagan. I think it was Ronald Reagan. Um, and so, you know, I was kind of thinking about just like, uh, real life. I mean, this happens not just in buy here, pay here, but where there is a opportunity, mm -hmm. these kind of things happen. And it just kind of made me start thinking, um, about, uh, just, a, a, a friend of mine who, um, part of their their strategy for retirement is that they kept they were buying like junk silver and um, some gold coins and things and they had them in a safe place in their home and um, you know they really hadn't talked to anyone um, about the fact that that this was this was part of their re retirement strategy um, and uh, you know they just they would add some here and add some there. And, and, um, when they went to move and went to collect all the stuff, cause they had a secret, a safe place in their house that they realized that a large amount had was gone mm -hmm. and they had no idea. It's like, what happened? And, um, and so they, they reached out to, uh, different of their, their adult children. And it's like, do you know anything about this? Do you know anything about this? And what it ended up being was one of their kids developed a drug and gambling mm -hmm. problem. Mm 
and would get in there and with the intent of I'm going to win it back and put it back. And also feeling like they, this is my, this is my inheritance anyway. So there was a little bit of a justification in right, it. Right. And, you know, it's like, this is my inheritance. Um, and so part of that, what I'm, where I'm going as well is that family members, it's, you know, you, you added um, a, an element of the manager, we are trying to um, brought her in as a part owner, mm -hmm. um, that family members as well, um, this can happen. Oh, and, sure. and it's, and it's not that they have ill intent because this person had no ill intent towards their parents. There was no animosity. There was no angst. There was no nothing. Um, but they got in a position where they were, they were, uh, in a spiral sure. and, and, and justified one that this was part of their inheritance Two, they'll never notice because I'm going to win it back mm -hmm. and put it back. And um, I mean, it was in the tunes of like tens of thousands oh, of sure. dollars yeah. that had been taken from the store. So, um, and maybe this, it helps yeah. to remember when you're talking to Jim Rhodes, you're talking to somebody who has witnessed firsthand mm -hmm. from family members the painful pressures that come from addiction. So when you see, mm -hmm. when you've seen there's, there's that level a thread of addiction, to what we talked about Wednesday yeah. too. And so yeah. it's like, you know, when you see that level of addiction, then you know that that, that person is no longer in a way, the person that you knew before they, they, they feel very real pressures that go to the core of their nervous system. And so yeah, it's not just in their, it, that's their, right. their perceived that's pressures. Right. It now is a physical pressure. Yeah. And so, you know, does somebody on your team, you know, have a drug problem? We're not suggesting that's the case, yeah. but if it happened, would you know? I mean, if it was happening, you know, outside of work or whatever developed that kind of a drug problem, would you know? Or, or maybe it's not even them. Maybe it's their family member and they just see the very real, you know, problems associated with that. And they're trying to, you know, uh, solve problems and maybe it's legal problems or whatever the point is. We don't know always what's happening in our, our employees' personal lives real pressures can develop. And uh, so we just know when you see that pressure created, now people start to really look every day for opportunity. And uh, so we just need to make sure and, and put in the necessary safeguards. I guess while we're talking of addiction, it's a good time to wrap up and talk about Brett's um, fundraiser. For those of you who, and most people listening will know Brett Buick. And so, uh, you know, find hashtag Buckeye Brett and keep up with what he's doing. He's out there. Um, you know, got a, yeah. got a fundraising campaign going now. They've got yeah. an event coming up at the end of August. So just another couple yeah, of weeks. He's, a week got, or so. he's got a, um, a pretty good sized goal mm -hmm. for what they want to be able to raise. And um, I know that every bit helps. Yep. Um, you know, I, I did notice from, uh, we checked the, the, where, where they were at sure. on Wednesday and, and um, uh, it, has been creeping up. And yeah. so I, we're just really encouraging you if you, if you're, if you have been touched by addiction right. and, um, sure. And know Brett or, or don't know Brett, please go. And, 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 and Brett has asked, um, he asked on our episode that, you know, for those who, you know, if you can contribute financially, wonderful. If you can't, another way that you contribute is, is send, uh, Brett the names of the, if you have a family member who was lost to, um, you know, maybe it's, um, a suicide. We know that's been a problem with veterans, you know, uh, coming back from uh, conflict and then oh, yeah. also, uh, you know, a loss to drug addiction. Then Brett's also happy to have those names 
as inspiration. Yeah. And he did say, send him a personal message and the name. And if you want to add the story or whatever that, um, that he would be, uh, dedicating certain periods yeah. of, of, and I don't know if, if you're aware, those of you didn't listen, is that it's like in 48 hours, he's going to run four miles every four hours. Mm -hmm. So he'll be doing this four miles every four hours for 48 hours. Yeah. And, and I'm you, like, not me, but yeah. um, he's, he's a pretty fit guy. If you, and, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know, Brett, that's probably because you're hearing this broadcasts in Bangladesh on YouTube. <laughs> And so if you don't know Brett and you want to donate to the cause, you just reached out to Jim yeah. and Michelle yeah, and we'll get you connected with uh, Brett. And uh, so We'd we want to support to. that effort. We're, we we told Brett, you know, he's an inspiration. He really is. He, re he really is. He's a good guy. Just all around good guy. We really yeah. enjoy him. Um, uh, just so in Bangladesh. Yes, Amanda. Mm -hmm. um, uh, cause I, I don't know that we're actually, we, we get the, we get the, the insights of who all is watching the podcast, mm -hmm. um, from diff or downloaded it mm -hmm. through the, the syndicated stations and YouTube and all of that. I don't think we've hit Bangladesh. We do right. have someone in Israel. Oh though, yeah. Which I kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. We might, we might know where that, we might from. know where that came from. Yeah. Um, just a reminder everyone uh, that Monday we will be talking about you've, you've been doing your list of the things you do. You've bucketed them into, I need to do this. I want to do this. I have to do this because no one else knows how to do this. And why the heck am I wasting my time doing this? Mm -hmm. um, and so this last week is we've identified one of the things that you have to do because no one knows how to do it. And you've decided uh, one of those things which you have someone on your team that can take it over if they knew how to do it. And you're writing the steps as you go during the week. Um, you're not assigning it to them yet. But you've been writing the steps. If you do can uh, do a video, um, uh, like through Loom or something like that, you've been adding that as well while you're doing it. Because mm -hmm. we're not asking you to really spend a lot more time to do this project. But what you've done is you've identified the thing, and so you're just writing down the steps as you do the steps. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk about what your next step is. Because again, you have not delegated this yet, but we're going to talk about what the next steps are on Monday. So please. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Listen in and, um, and it's, yeah, it's going to be good stuff. This yeah. is, it's really great way of, of us, uh, we're teaching dealers how to do initiatives mm -hmm. to create more time to work on their business instead yeah. of in their business. And this, once you guys learn how to do this, you can teach your department managers to do the same thing for their department. Right. So uh, maybe we wrap up by just uh, putting a mention out there again for the BHPH Nation. For those of you who haven't been over there, just jump on. You can just, just send in your email free so we can be no Absolutely. Uh, notify you when we're ready to uh, kind of introduce or publicize yeah. the the nation. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, you can just get on the mailing list and uh, yep. go to bhphnation.com and just throw your email in there and we'll make sure you're notified when things start to happen. Yes. So have your guy, you guys, it's Friday. Today is payday. Right. Today's the day for people coming in and doing a lot of their payments. Oh, we're so. supposed to get paid for this? Not, not us. Oh, not us. Not us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great weekend, and we are looking forward to seeing you on Monday.